Good morning. The visit that Jesus had in Nazareth, when he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. It's one of the most revealing, powerful, prophetic, millennium words that actually, in a way, wasn't understood, even though after Jesus finished what he had to say, Luke says that they were filled with wrath. To mention Gentiles in a conversation with the Jews as favors of God. And so, I want to go back then to where we were. We're covering Matthew chapter 12, and I want to stay with the program of Matthew chapter 12. And uh, I'm going to skip the parables on, on chapter 12, 13, uh, 14, and, uh, and, and move directly into... Uh, directly into dealing with what Jesus said at the uh, synagogue in Capernaum. And he quoted Isaiah 61. And I'm going to read the first nine verses. I know it's going to be sort of a strange to look at Scripture that is dealing with the millennium, the kingdom, the second coming, the second advent of Christ. But bear with me because you're going to get something out of this today. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. Gentiles and Jews, it doesn't matter, but the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim captive liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to them who are bound. So this first nine verses of Isaiah 61 it's actually, the speaker is the Holy Spirit. And it proclaims the, the first and the second coming. The first and the second coming. And, uh, and the Messiah here is, is proved to be, to be the speaker. It's in uh, Luke 4. Amen. And I'm going to be coming to Luke and back. Luke chapter 4, uh, verse 16, 21. So let me just spend a little time in, in reading 4, uh, 16, 21. Uh, and he, here it is. Here it is. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood for a reading. And was delivered unto him the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, Isaiah 61, 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Meaning, the first thing that a Christian, a developing Christian, a Christian that understands the, the revealed Word of God, has to deal with it, is the work of the Holy Spirit in his life or her life. 
Because if that's not the purpose, there's no, there's no growth, there's no development, there's no progression into sanctification. It's impossible. It's impossible that you avoid the Holy Spirit. And some people just simply read books. They love to read a book. And the book then is very light. Mostly of it deal with culture. And, and when culture don't save, Jesus saves. And so, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And so, the anointing of Jesus was the sanctifying power of the human spirit. The anointing of Jesus was the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. That's how you measure the anointing in somebody's life. The amount of sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit in that person's life. You fall, you get up, you sin, you forgive them. You move forward, you keep on knocking, you keep on charging, you keep on moving to a point to where you please God. Now, in Jesus, it started in the womb of the of Virgin Mary, Luke one thirty five. And it continues as he grew into manhood in Luke two forty, which was openly manifested at his baptism at the Jordan River. So that which the Father announced him to be addressed itself in every aspect of his life and living in truth, Christ alone can address these problems, which means that humanistic psychology holds no answer. And so, this is, this is a statement that he came to do several things. Anointed me because he wants to preach the, the gospel to the meek, bind up the brokenhearted, get liberty to the captives, open the prison of those who are bound. And of course, when Jesus died, the three days he went into the deep of the earth and he set the captives free. And so, what I'm saying to you is that Verse 1 is proclaiming what happened and what will happen. Now let's move to number, number 2. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord in the day of vengeance of our God to conform, to comfort all who mourn. This is, this is uh, stated at uh, Leviticus 25.9. But what he's saying here that every 50 years there's a jubilee. The year of Jubilee, every 50 years. And uh, when Jesus was in the synagogue on this moment that he took the book of Isaiah, it was the first Sabbath of the year of Jubilee. Now the year, see, presented in two, in two, in two parts. The year of acceptance, look to proclaim the acceptable year. So the year of acceptance is separated from the year, from the day of vengeance. The two are separated by a coma. So when is the day of vengeance will come? When Jesus comes to judge the quick and the dead. When Jesus comes not to be to convince the people of the earth that He is the Messiah. He comes to judge. If you don't meet Jesus in the air, you're, you're done for it. And so, verse 2, Verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 61 
divides itself in two parts. The day of the year of acceptance and the day of vengeance. We are now in the year of acceptance. In other words, Jubilee is a time to celebrate the harvest. And we give glory. Every 50 years, Jesus spoke this on the first Sabbath of the year of Jubilee. And so, very important, because Scripture is being fulfilled. Isaiah spoke that, and Jesus fulfilled it. I have to tell you. Jesus, Isaiah spoke it, and Jesus fulfilled it. And so, I want you to see that the difference between the year uh, uh, of acceptable year and the day of vengeance. The year and the day of vengeance, they're separated, okay? So, 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 I hope you got that. Why, why is it important? It's because He is not out to get you these days. He's extending His grace to you. If you confess your sin, He's just in favor to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all. We are in the year of acceptance of the Lord God. We're living these days. Okay, now, let's go to chapter, to, to chapter 61, verse 3. Okay? It says, To appoint unto them those who mourn in Zion. To appoint unto them those who mourn in Zion. There will be God Almighty appointing people of God have served the Lord for specific tasks. Why Zion is a place to where many will mourn? Because Zion is where the new Jerusalem will come after the 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 the, the day of uh, the millennium. But twelve oh one second, you're going to look up, living in Jerusalem, and the new Jerusalem will come from heaven at Mount Zion, which is the city of David. Mount Zion is not the Temple Mount. Mount Zion is the city of David. You've got to understand, that's the meaning of Psalm 133. So now, and it says, To give unto them beauty for ashes. In other words, God wants to make the Christians, the saints of God, those who have been mourning for a long time, waiting for Christ to come, lost their families, their children, and they all be there. And God will begin to give them beauty for ashes. The oil for mourning. The oil of joy for mourning. The oil of joy for mourning. Meaning that He's going to pour that oil upon the saints in their heads and give them joy. They will dance. They'll begin to dance and celebrate Looking up and saying, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And, and here's my father, here's... Okay, okay, now. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Oh, we need that right now. We need that in our personal churches, in our homes, to have this attitude of worship and praise the Lord in the midst of heaven. That they might be called trees of righteousness. Who are the trees of righteousness? Those that Jesus have taught, disciple. You see, Revelation Word will take you to a place to where you become a tree of righteousness. Springing up branches left and right 
What do you mean? That your testimony, what you say about Jesus, what you confess about Jesus, what you do in the name of Jesus begins to spread out throughout the land. Okay? And they get to know you as trees of righteousness. This is, this is part of the second coming. And it says, the planting of the Lord. Who is, who is the planting of the Lord? You are. The Lord has planted you. He has watered you. He has repaired you. He has correct you. He has grew you up into becoming a, a, a mighty plant in the hands of God. And it says that He might be glorified. In other words, He wants you to glorify Him as your Savior, as your Lord, as, your, as the Lord of Lords and King of Kings throughout the whole earth. All right? Now, now verse... Uh, Verse 4. This is getting good now. Listen to this. And they shall build the old wastes. They who? You. You and I. We're talking about the millennium. We're talking about a thousand years in Jerusalem. There's a lot of building. Do you know that uh, above the Lake of Galilee, there are 24 synagogues that are, that are uh, not uh, open to the public because there's no roads to it. And there's a lot of rock in the way. But he's going to rebuild all of them. Places of praise and worship during the millennium. Build old ways. They shall raise up the former desolations. That will be desolation, to say the least. You know, the, the, the tribulation time that this earth is going through, it will, it, will, it, will, it will rattle everything that there is. Now, let me read some comments. To assure the reality of these statements, they are repeated. And he's beginning to repeat now. Thus, the first and the third lines of this verse predict the rebuilding of the desert cities. You know, you, you, hear, you hear the word in Luke, Decapolis. What is Decapolis? In the time of Jesus around the Lake of Galilee, there were many cities. Today you have ruins of, 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 uh, of Bethsaida, you have ruins of Chorazin, you have ruins of <coughs> Capernaum. Oh my goodness, <clears throat> there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of villages going all the way to the north that are not mentioned because they have just ashes there. But the Lord says that they will be rebuilt. So what this is saying is the coming kingdom age. In a literal sense, the material sense, but even more so speaks of the spiritual rejuvenation that takes place in the hearts and lives of believers. You know, I told a lady last night at a, at a New Covenant Bible study uh, that uh, her name is Deborah. I have, I have her name uh, right here in my pocket. I don't know where I put it, but I have her name somewhere. Uh, Deborah. And, uh, and, and Deborah began to pray for me. And of course, you know, I, I, I pay attention because I knew she was talking to me. And she said, Rick, you need strength. God, give this man strength, physical strength. And I tell you, I've been tired these days. And, uh, and, and, and I want to hear from the Lord. And so this morning, I slept uh, uh, until about 6 o'clock, 6.30, and I began to just hear the Word. And this is what the Lord gave me, that the millennium, there will be strength, spiritual rejuvenation, and fourth, the fourth line talks about fertility of the desolated field. 
when I, when I saw fertility of the desolated fields, I saw more rocks on this trip. I don't know why, because of the routes the bus took as we traveled to northern Israel. And uh, I, saw, I saw fields covered with rocks, especially below Mount Hormon between Capernaum and, and the Caesarea Philippi. Uh, oh, my goodness. How much, how many. But the Lord is going to rejuvenate the fields. Remove all the rocks. Plant the best crops that you ever seen. Verse, now look at the, this verse. There are three words I want to call your attention to. The first one, he will build. He'll build. Second, he will raise up. Raise up. Third, uh, he will repair the waste cities. Repair. Amen. So build, raise up, repair. It simply means that there's a material resurgency in the land that physically will make the, 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 city, the cities of Israel and the countries of Israel to be glorious in every aspect. So you can close your eyes and see God rebuilding. Now let me ask you this. Why is He doing that? Why is God rebuilding His favored people? It's because they have then accepted the Lord Jesus now. The, 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 the tribes and the, and the guns of the world, the, 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 the oppression of the ungodly, it's all judged. The day of vengeance has taken place. So, so tell me this, why to rebuild Israel and all the villages and all the synagogues in, in, in the fields. Why to rebuild it? Since we're going to... Well, first of all, it's going to rebuild because you're going to be there a thousand years. You know, if you're going to be in Jerusalem a thousand years, go and visit Jesus in Jerusalem at the temple. Uh, you've got to have a better look than what you think you need to have. And so what I'm saying to you... Uh, what I'm saying to you is that uh, the Lord will make it possible that you'll be able to rejoice during the millennium. It gives a view of the millennium that encourages, okay, what am I going to do for a thousand years in Jerusalem? Just sit down there and sell. Some, no, you're not. There's nothing to buy, nothing to sell. But there's worship and praise the size of, that you've never seen before. You will be hours, hours upon the, the Lord. And so, verse 5. Now, verse 5 is quite a promise to those who love to see the world, the Gentiles, come to Jesus. Look at verse 5. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. <laughs> In other words, i got a thousand sheep down there. And some Syrian people, some Iraq people, some, uh, <laughs> some folks from Turkey, strangers, are going to help me to take care of the flock. What do you mean by that? It simply means that the Lord will make the Gentiles bless the, the trees of righteousness. There's a difference. Listen, a tree of righteousness has produced good fruits. A tree of righteousness grows up to have no pleasing of men in any shape or form. Those who are trees of righteousness in the millennium have been people that during the first coming have preached the gospel to the poor, 
fed the hungry, ministered the gospel, worked to see the kingdom of God grow, primarily 100% priority in their lives. I'm not a Sunday morning Christian. I'm involved with the Lord and what He does day and night, night and day. Hallelujah. And so, the stranger shall stand and feed your flock. <laughs> and the sons of the alien shall be your plowmen and your, your vine dressers. To the proud nations of the past. Listen to this. It was and is a degradation to be associated with the Jews. But in the future, it will be an honor, a privilege to know a Jewish person because that person has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that makes everything change. It makes everything change. Remember, Jesus loves Israel. Verse 6 are you getting something out of this? I'm talking about what you're going to do with your spiritual life during the millennium. So wake up, get out of the couch, and turn your computer a little louder, because I want you to get a little louder there. Listen to this. But you shall be named priests of the Lord. <laughs> you know, you're talking about Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and yeah, at Jesus. But in that second coming, in that millennium, in the presence of the Lord in Jerusalem, you shall be priests, every one of you. Not just those that God ordained. Every Christian during the millennium will be priests. Oh my gosh, Almighty. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. Oh my goodness, gracious alive. You see, we sort of have a system these days in the church age to where there's one pastor, one associate pastor, and a youth director. <laughs> but when Jesus comes, He's going to walk us up. And you will be serving Him as priests, high priests, men and women of God, glorifying God, building the Lord. I want you to know that, that that's exactly what it is. Amen. You, you, you are preparing yourself. How, how I'm preparing your, you, you. If you study with us in these Bible studies, I'm, the, my job is to get you to become a priest before you die. So when you wake up into eternity, you just rise up and be a priest to the Lord. So take a look. But you shall be named priests of the Lord. Men shall call you ministers of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. <laughs> I, I, I like that. In other, in other words, what do I do? Oh, give me a lamb, piece of lamb with mint sauce. Oh, my Lord Jesus. We're going to Brazil on the 5th of June. There's a group of 21 persons going to Brazil. Oh, hallelujah. Let me take a break. And one of the things I want to do is to go to a restaurant that serves lamb. And I want to get that green gel, a little bit of white rice on the side, and have my fill. 
I hope that the Lord tell me when to stop. Amen. So, you shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. Oh, my God. You see, we, we can't eat right now. Because, you know, the best steaks in Atlanta cost $100 a piece. We can't eat over there. You broke for the whole month. And in their glory, you shall boast yourselves. In your, in, in, in your glory, and in, in their glory, you shall boast yourselves. In their glory. The glory of the Gentiles will be uh, equal as the glory of the Jews. But the glory will be to elevate the name of Jesus above every other name and glorify His name and call Himself the King of kings and Lord of lords. There's a difference here, folks, when it comes to understanding who you are. It's a new dimension of thinking that is biblically correct and prophetically written by Isaiah the prophet. In that day of restoration, the entire nation of Israel will be a nation of priests and ministers and will act as such in relation to God in the inhabited world. Actually, what God intended for Israel to be in the beginning, they shall now be. Exodus 19.6 In brief, Ezekiel proclaims this in the last nine chapters of his book. The nine chapters of Ezekiel deal with the same subject. If you like to get a little more information about the millennium, the times that you're going to experience after you, 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 you wake up in the kingdom uh, and Jesus have the second, because you can be in heaven waiting for the Lord. But as Jesus comes to the earth, you'll join Him. And Zechariah 14 says that you will be with Jesus in that second coming. The same way He went up, He will come down in the Mount of Olives. The same way He went up, He will come down in the Mount of Olives. And there you shall rejoice because you're going to be with Him as priests and ministers in the city of Jerusalem. Read the last nine chapters of Ezekiel. Hey, I'm giving you some information here. Come on, take pay attention. Stop watching TV. Listen to me. Stop the car. Let me talk to you. Read the last nine chapters of Ezekiel, and you'll get to know more about this. Okay, good. All right. Let's go to verse 7. I don't know if I'm going to be able to close this up. For your shame, for your shame you shall have double. And for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. The possessing of the double has to do with uh, when a man owned money that couldn't pay. He takes a a, a skin of of a sheep, put a nail on the post in the middle of the city, and write, I own this guy this, I own this man this, I own this, I, I'm not tied, I haven't been able to pay, a, 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 and all of that. Anybody that wants to help this man passing by, he takes that, that, uh, that piece of skin and he writes it down, double it, put it back and says, paid by so and so, paid. If he goes out there and pay all his debts, for your shame shall have the double. Meaning, meaning, 
when Jesus lands in the Mount of Olives, He already paid your double. Everything that you own, all your sins, all your injustices, all your degradation, all your evil that you partook, anything that you've done against the Lord, He took upon Himself our iniquities and bare Himself all our sorrows. Okay? Therefore, in their land they shall possess, in their land they shall possess the double. Verse 8. Don't have much time for the double, but I guess you understand what I said. For I, the Lord, love judgment. I hate robbery for burnt offerings. In other words, don't rob anything and offer it to me. I won't take it. And I will direct their works in truth, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. The word here, judgment, is justice. Get that straight. Judgment is do justice. Make it right. Okay? The Lord loves fairness, equality, correct measures, honest, integrity, thankfulness, things made right. And when He does, that is because His nature. He, he, he will... He will you pe- some people say... He's coming to kill me and to hit me in the head and take my arm off. No, He's going to put into your relationship with Him the areas of your life that are, that are, that are not correct. The small things like, like truthfulness, like righteousness, like fairness. It's very difficult to be fair when you know that that can hurt you. But it is a graceful thing to be fair when there is a need involved. Okay. Now verse 9. Uh, I think I'll make I have 20 minutes. And their seeds shall be known among the Gentiles, and their offsprings among the people. And all who see them shall acknowledge them, the ministers, the priests, that they are the seed which the Lord has blessed. They are the seed which the Lord has blessed. Talking about you. I'll see you tomorrow. You get that? Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Mm-hmm.